she's alive. Alive! Hello and welcome back to Scream 101. I'm Brennan. And I'm Sergio. And today we're here to talk about Bride of Frankenstein. It feels so weird to talk about a movie that's actually like good. (laughs) I was going to say it's so weird to talk about a movie whose titular character is only in it for like one tenth of the movie. Uh, And we'll talk about that. But first, here's uh, nope. But first, let's do our 10 word reviews of 10 word reviews of movies we watched in the past week. Okay, movies that we watched those consonants in the past week. Yes, beginning with *Brightburn*. Oh boy, a dim, slow ember of a movie. Ooh, and my review of *Brightburn* is: I think Elizabeth Banks thought James Gunn was writing this. That would make a lot more sense. I would say yes to that project. But yeah. Sh- okay. Was that even a joke? I I intended it to be. I was trying to save your review, but whatever. Fair Some enough. things cannot be given a life raft. You're right. So what's your review of The Perfection? Three movies in one? Now that's perfection. Ooh, and my review is, this movie gets me wet. <laughs> okay. I like that one. Thank you. Um, Aladdin. It's like the original, but if you were on acid. Ooh, my review of Aladdin is a frothy disaster that I find irresistible. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, Brennan, now that we've given our best 10-word reviews of the three movies that we just reviewed, uh-huh. what's next? I know it sounds like Sergio was reading off of a card, but I promise he wasn't. He's just that good at talking. <laughs> like a normal person. <laughs> yes. Well, Natural segues and transitions like everyday conversation. Mm-hmm. Where you say every word as if it's separately. <laughs> um, sorry, I didn't mean to really jump down your throat there. I apologize. It's I okay, friend. I hear you. I accept your apology. <laughs> okay. Um, now... Mm-hmm. What is next? Well, it's actually time for me to read off of card. Here's the plot of Bride of Frankenstein. My friend, that's a phone. Whatever. It's <laughs> it, uh, The phone has a SIM card in it, you know? I don't think iPhones have SIM cards. Oh, do they not? Oh. Okay. We can't take them out if they do. Okay. Uh, who knows? Someone tweeted us, and I will ignore that tweet because I don't care. Um, After recovering from injuries sustained in the mob attack upon himself and his creation, Dr. Frankenstein, Colin Clive, falls under the control of his former mentor, Dr. Pretorius, Ernest Thesiger. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, I just, I love that Ernest Thesiger. Who insists the now chastened doctor resume his experiments in creating new life. Meanwhile, the monster, Boris Karloff, remains on the run from those who wish to destroy him without understanding that his intentions are generally good despite his lack of socialization and self-control. That was a very wordy plot plot synopsis. Um, it was a very wordy movie, at least in the beginning. That it was, Sergio. Good, um, good stuff. <laughs> anyway, as always, we rate our movies out of five on campiness, scariness, effects, and quality. But let's start with scariness. How many scares do you give it? I'm going to give it a nice oh my God. three. Point the microphone at your face, you crazy person. I don't want to move it because of the wire and the humming. No, you can you can move it. It's fine. I'm moving it closer to my face. Please do. It's You're closer. not moving at all? Closer. Closer? You're just moving your face. Closer? <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. It's fine, right? Um, I'm going to keep this part in because you're funny. He was hol- He's holding the microphone about, imagine you're throwing a dart. That's about where the microphone is. 
and he's just moving his his face closer and closer without moving his hand at all and it was it was great so now he's fully at like a 45 degree forward angle <laughs> thank you for explaining the joke on this podcast yeah, no, your physical comedy is incomparable, and I want everyone to know it. Okay, thank you. All right, so I gave it a three, three screams. Really? Was, yeah, I thought it was okay. Okay. What did I give the original? Do you remember what I gave the original? I have no idea. Oh. That was two months ago. <laughs> I feel like Matt would know what I gave the original, and he would compare it to, to this one now and be like, you know what? You did good. Oh, that's so nice. If I gave it a good score for the original. Who knows? But the, I don't the know. The answer has been lost to time. Yeah. No one will ever know. I'm not going to go back and listen to that episode. I'm certainly not. Um, anyway. <laughs> So, okay, so what would have scared you about this movie? Are you putting yourselves in the shoes of the past people again? Um, this movie did one thing really well. Okay. And if it hadn't been for the fact that we watched it early on a summer Sunday morning, mm-hmm. it might have affected me differently. But uh, it was a really good movie that involved a lot of suspense. It was really good at building certain things uh-huh. and made them suspenseful. I noticed a smile creeping it, it's, across it your mouth. It sounds like you're writing a book report for a book you didn't read. You don't got to call me out on it, <laughs> Brennan. Um, I never read Frankenstein, the book, um, nor the sequel, Bride of Frankenstein. Nope, no sequel. This movie gives me the impression that there was a sequel. I heard it from the from the from authors. From the lips of Mary Shelley yes. <laughs> Um Yeah. Oh, that's actually something I brought up to you while we were watching because I am a pointless nerd with full of fun facts. But yeah, this movie does open on Mary Shelley and Lord Byron and her and uh, Mr. Shelley. Percival Shelley? Was that his name? Um, sure. Okay, sure. He was like um, a pastor or something, I think. Sure. Um, but they were all sitting in this parlor room talking about Frankenstein. And she's like, oh, did you know there's a second part to the story? Um, but the whole thing is that the reason that scene is there is to recap the original Frankenstein for anyone who didn't see it. Because back in the day, there was no blockbuster, so you couldn't just go rewatch a movie anytime you wanted. Mm-hmm. You had to catch it in theaters or you just missed it. And that was four years ago, so they couldn't guarantee that you had Hold done on. that. Hold on, you whiz and crone. Uh-huh. What is this blockbuster you speak of? Oh, shut up. I only know streaming of movies. Okay, there's no Redbox. What's that? I only nope. download things off BitTorrent. Well, um, What's LimeWire? Nothing. LimeWire, did that even do movies? BitTorrent. Kazaa. <laughs> what other things do we know Roku. from the past? Well, no, we have one of those, and it's great, and it gives us all the movies. Yeah. I don't know. I was just naming things. Continue, Brennan. Um, okay, Friendster. <laughs> um, okay, actually, I'm I'm giving this a one out of five. What? Uh, yeah. You I were mean, so into this movie. No, I like Bride of Frankenstein a lot, but I'm not scared by it. I am moved by it, and we'll discuss that more later. Um, but the movie as a horror film is still not reaching me. The horrific elements are still, you know, too, you know, they appeal to a much stodgier audience than what... I am, Mm -hmm. I would say. Mm -hmm. There is a scene that's shocking for the time of someone like straight up being murdered by another human in order to get their heart. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, was probably rather unusual at the time. Um, It's very malicious and evil, and Mm -hmm. you obviously don't see it on screen. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was interesting. Um, There's also Frankenstein does kind of look as much as he's a sympathetic monster he does kind of murder some people in cold blood in this movie yeah at the very beginning he murders the the man Uh the man who falls in yeah which is the father of the girl that he killed in the first one and then he murders her mother yeah and that was great he just threw her right down a hole yeah and then there was this not a care in the world this owl was watching and the owl Mm. could not give a shit (laughs) look if you were an owl would you care about this weird farmer and his wife i might be frightened by this blob of woman being thrown at me (laughs) 
And I say blob because she's clearly like some kind of stuffed animal woman. Oh, yeah, because she's a dummy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It looks like a pillowcase being thrown through the thing, but it still makes the same impact. Mm. Oh, I will say there was one scene that I thought was intense and impactful, and it was all because of performance. Um, Henry Frankenstein, his wife Elizabeth, because the titular Bride of Frankenstein perhaps might be Elizabeth. Um, because Dr. Frankenstein does get married over the course of this movie. Um, she starts, whenever she, whenever um, her betrothed starts talking about the horrific experiments that he has performed upon dead bodies, she's like, I begin to see ghosts in the room, like, clawing out at you, reaching for your soul. And she has this crazy monologue about these apparitions that appear before her whenever her husband talks about his crimes against nature. Mm-hmm. And she just starts to melt down, and it's really intense and exciting to watch. I really like that scene a lot. Um, one thing that I thought that was really spooky was when um, – who's our new doctor friend? Dr. Pretorius. Dr. Pretorius. I'm going to get his name wrong several times throughout this podcast. Just ready yourselves. That's okay. I'm, I'm ready to give to supply it to you at all times. Uh, Dr. Pretorius, he, um, he enters the room. Um, unannounced, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's announced, but he like he really he does slink in, even though he is announced. Mm-hmm. Doctor Platypus does. There's like this shadow that comes out, and it's spooky. And his introduction was kind of spooky, um, and I just like that. It's very sinister. Everything he does is very, very German expressionist, sinister, obviously evil. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of thing that like cartoons have made fun of every time since then. Um, like one thing that jumps to mind is you've seen the Fairly Odd Parents, right? Oh hell yeah. Um, I think it's the first time it's like a flashback episode where Timmy meets Vicky um, and he's younger. He's like a boy and Vicky's like a preteen girl or whatever Uh or an early adolescence. And she announces herself and there's like lightning. Um, Uh And then Timmy's like, did anybody else notice the lightning in the (laughs) background? And then like every time afterwards they say Vicky, like there's also lightning. And it's like, come on, this is throwing up major smoke signals that this is a bad thing. It's like that. Yes. That was a really long explanation. No. And no, look. Your comparison of Bride of Frankenstein to the Fairly Odd Parents is warranted and genius. Yes. No one's ever thought to do this before. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I thought that part was interesting. But no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not scared by Bride of Frankenstein. Um, but let's talk of campiness, though, shall we? I give it two. I give it a three. Explain yourself. Well, look, this movie is overtly more campy than the first one. I mean, there's the crazy Cockney maid who's scuttling about everywhere. Oh, man. How did I forget about her? Yeah, she's, I think, comic relief, but mostly just profoundly irritating. Yeah, she's supposed to play, like, the role of the wily servant, you know, just very Uh opinionated and clearly smarter than everyone, even though she's dumber than everyone. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, she she is, yeah, she is somehow both. Mm -hmm. She is a dichotomy. Mm Mm-hmm. She's she is the destruction of the gender binary. Mm-hmm. All the campiness from this movie li- that I gave comes from that performance. I would. Say. I really like. There was a very funny. Li- there are some funny moments. Like um, Doctor Pretorius has these two servants that work for him, or maybe it's just one. Only one of them died. Um, but much like Doctor Frankenstein in the first one, he has a servant working for him who is someone who has been saved from the gallows. Um, but the guy is being ordered around so much by Doctor Pretorius, he says. This is no life for a murderer, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I mean, look, this movie provided a gif of Frankenstein smoking, which is very important to the uh, the 420 tumblers out there. Mm-hmm. And also every Halloween, you see it come back. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> um, every October when when 420 p.m. rolls around, 
Um, but yeah, also my favorite campy moment actually came from you, Sergio. Um, we were there's a part in the end where Frankenstein destroys the entire uh, laboratory by pulling a lever, and it just all explodes and crumbles in on itself. And Sergio, you were just like, "Why would you install that lever?" It's a it's a valid question. Don't tell me you weren't thinking about it, Brennan. I mean, I was, you know, it, maybe it's a failsafe in case the experiment goes horribly wrong, which did. Destroy the entire building? Yeah. Destroy the evidence so God can't see it. That just seems like very, like, I want to say American government about things. Like, if <laughs> it didn't work, you just destroy it all, mm-hmm. and then no one's there to prove you wrong. Fair enough. Um, what's your effect score for Bright Frankenstein? My effect score, I'm going to give it a four. Oh, okay. Tell Only because of my favorite scene, which featured our favorite Dr. Pretorius and mm-hmm. our other favorite Dr. Frankenstein and the little Our people. two favorite doctors in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the little people. Dr. Pretorius is little people. Yeah. He has a bunch of, he has created life, but he hasn't created life-size life. So just a bunch of people in jars. Yeah. Um, and they each have roles and they're so dedicated to their roles. And it's such fun. It's very strange. But the, you you are right that the effects used to achieve them still hold up pretty well. Yeah, I was trying to see like how they could have done it, um, and my guess is just they layered film probably. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But it was like seamless. You couldn't really see like fi- I yeah. couldn't see it, but I don't know what to look for. Yeah, I mean, I like to imagine that they just made a pair of giant tongs and picked up a dude dressed as a king because that sounds really fun. Oh, it sounds like a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, no, that part is very cartoony especially their little voices that are so squeaky um but it's it's you know it's kind of a masterclass in effects filmmaking of that time mm-hmm. mm, what other effects kind of stood out well the explosion itself was pretty amazing oh yeah that the, castle just like implode yeah that, that that's a beautiful model like all the individual bricks are crumbling into into themselves mm-hmm. that's really cool um i wh- thought again the sets were really well uh, really well crafted. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I know, like we argue all the time whether sets are effects or not, right? Look, I'm going to allow it because this movie is very much in the expressionistic vein where the sets are almost as important as the, you know, story and characters. And I, a movie novice, just picked up on it. Beautiful. Um, <laughs> Congrats. Uh, but the castle, the interior of the castle where Dr. Frankenstein lives with his wife, mm-hmm. um, I thought those shots were amazing. They seem to be kind of like out of Game of Thrones almost. Um, the opening shot where Lord Byron is talking to Mary Shelley and her husband, Sir Shelley, uh, that was a really nice. I was like, "Ooh, this is this is we're in the we're in the Romantic era or the Regency era, Gothic uh, Victorian? era, Victorian. We're at whatever. We're in Britain." Um, <laughs> wow, I am transported. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then uh, the shot that follows that, the one where we see Frankenstein being burned and, like, the townspeople are like, yeah, yeah, burn, burn, whatever. Um, the Whatever's being burned, I thought that was a really cool shot, mm-hmm. um, even though you can tell you knew that stuff was going to go down. I mean, yeah, it's a Frankenstein movie. Yeah. Something's going to go down. Well, the townspeople didn't know that. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Our wily servant friend didn't know that. Also true. Um, I will also say that the machine used to create the Bride of Frankenstein mm-hmm. um, is a much more majestic and intricate machine than the first movie. Mm-hmm. Like there are kites that have to be thrown into the air and there's this enormous like almost chandelier-esque mm-hmm. piece that rises with the body in it into the sky. It's really mm-hmm. cool. 
Um, and one thing I'm going to say for these movies that they did a really good job of doing is that they impacted the mad scientist lair for centuries to come. Oh, yeah. that w- We will never live that movie down. Yeah. Like, or these two movies. Um, I like this one part where you, all you see is like these test tubes. And it's I think there's maybe um the what's that big test tube? That like a like beaker. S- it's no, it's like you swirl it around. It's like a it has a long snout and then it empties out into like a big round thing. I know what you're talking about. But I think I don't it's know. some kind of flask. I think it's a specialized flask. Oh, is it an Erlenmeyer flask? Sure. Um, <laughs> That's something I, w- I remember from chemistry. I don't know why I asked. Like I would know what it's <laughs> called to be able to confirm that. Um, but sure, the Erlenmeyer flask. We saw one of those. Um, I'm almost 100% certain I'm wrong, but we'll call too. it that. <laughs> Who cares? Science. Like any of our people are going to know that, what the science behind this. I look if you, again. If you know, please let us know. Um. Anyways, you see all these test tubes or whatever, and Brennan's like, look, look at all the science. And I was, oh, like, yeah. I was like, you know what? You're right. Because were it not for this movie, we would not get all the crazy mad scientist layers that we have since enjoyed. That's true. I mean, I just love movie science where it's people just pouring like a green liquid from a beaker into a red liquid. And then there's a puff of smoke and they're like, I solved time travel. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Um <laughs> No, I just yeah, any no scientist in any field of, you know, academia is, you know, operating at full potential without like a bunch of like Bunsen burners and test tubes lying everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, Another thing that I liked about this movie was that they also made the mummy. I mean cuz the Frankenstein characters are wrapped in bandages when they're reanimated. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the mummy movies were trolling around around this time too, so mm-hmm. you know, maybe they stole it from Frankenstein. Good stuff. <laughs> sure. Um, what's your overall quality score? My overall quality score is dope. This movie is dope. <laughs> how, how much is dope out of five? What does that translate to? I give it a four. Okay. Wow. See, you've been much nicer to this movie than I expected because I felt like you had emotionally checked out pretty early on. I did check out. That was for reasons that we're not going to discuss on this podcast. Oh, um, you were hungry. Yes. I was just starving. I was like, Brennan, give me a Cinnabon. And... It was 12 hours later that I finally got my Cinnabon. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. Um, but uh, the movie was just, uh, there was some parts that meandered a little bit. Um, what I liked about it was that it built up suspense. And mm-hmm. what I disliked about it was that it was just a lot of suspense. And You were very much in suspense about when the bride would show up. Well, yeah, because you expect her to, she's, she's the titular role, Brennan. Yes. And you expect her to be this force on screen because I have heard a lot of things about this movie and mm-hmm. it being one of the best movies ever, it being a great film, blah, 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 blah. Um, so I was ready to experience it. Um, and I loved a lot of the things that I did see, a lot of the atmospheric touches that they gave the movie, a lot of the little accents, whatever. The acting was great. Um, I thought Mary Shelley was perfect. I thought the the wife of Dr. Frankenstein was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but um, it was a lot of build up up until just like uh, uh, the last three minutes, which we finally got to see the bride. So it was a little bit of a letdown in that sense, but it was still good. Mm-hmm. No, I get that. Look, you have just experienced the struggle of many, many a generation experiencing this movie for the first time mm-hmm. in the sense of that. You know, you have this sense of what Bride of Frankenstein is, and it really isn't that. Mm-hmm. The character of Bride of Frankenstein is obviously this iconic figure in the landscape of pop culture. So it's really off-putting and strange that she's on screen for about three minutes, mm-hmm. 
Um, to my knowledge, she does not appear in any of the sequels. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, but I will say, I think that's a testament to Elsa Lanchester, the mm-hmm. actress, um, the costume, and especially a hair designer, because mm-hmm. that hair is truly the most iconic part of it. The you know the streak of gray, the like the huge poof that goes you know straight back. Mm-hmm. Like you can see it everywhere from you know the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, Magenta's character is mimicking her, and uh, look, I'm not going to list gray streaks of hair. We could go on forever, but Nancy Thompson in Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Marge Simpson, yeah, Rogue. Um, oh, Marge Simpson's totally inspired by Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, anyway, so it, it, <laughs> it, it it's such a compelling, iconic image, and Elsa Lanchester's performance. Um, she is channeling, uh, I think, a a swan. Or a, a goose. Like, she was channeling some sort of bird in her performance. So the way that she's, like, looking around with such delicate little movements and with such, like, paranoid panic in her eyes. And just all the choices that she makes are perfect. And I think that's why she's such an indelible character. But the fact that she's not actually, you know, tromping around this movie doing Frankenstein stuff is, I think, disappointing to a lot of people for mm-hmm. for that very reason. Yeah, and I think um, I could have enjoyed it maybe a little more, a little bit more had I not been given all that, like, build-up. Um, much like in the same way that when people build up to, uh, Detective Pikachu, I was like, I'm ready to love this movie. It's going to be the greatest movie of the summer. Uh-huh. Number one blockbuster hit. Here I come. And then I was kind of let down because it was only okay. Mm-hmm. Well, but Bride of Frankenstein is not only okay. It's, it's not. just not the movie that you think it's going to be. There you go. That's what I was trying to get across. Um, but yeah, I also am giving this a four out of five. This is the one that I've seen before in this marathon. Um, I just, I really emotionally respond to this movie, which is not always going to happen for me with a movie from 1935. Like, the two scenes in particular. There's when Frankenstein makes his friend, the blind man in the hut out in the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, because that it, it just really highlights the, like, you know, the misunderstood monster aspect of the character. Because obviously, you know, he's huge and he's violent, but he doesn't have to be. He's not born to be this way. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't know his body, and he looks so scary to the people that they instantly reject him and want to murder him. Mm-hmm. And so he finally has this moment of connection with this blind man who who can't see his face and the blind man is just so thankful to finally have a friend because he's been so lonely just out in the woods and his, he gives Frankenstein food and drink and teaches him how to speak and when Frankenstein is sleeping in front of him he literally like says a prayer and thanks the Lord for bringing him a friend mm-hmm. and Frankenstein has a little tear rolled down his cheek and because the the reason Frankenstein finds the blind man is because he was practicing his violin playing Ave Maria mm-hmm. and during this scene during the prayer and the tear and all this the score itself picks up Ave Maria and starts playing like orchestrally and it's just it's such a whirlwind of making me cry mm-hmm. um, it's a really powerful moment it is a powerful moment because it caused me to tune in. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, but I think it's something this movie could only have been made by James Whale, I think, um, the director. Mm-hmm. One, because he is a good director and he knows what the hell he's doing. Mm-hmm. And two, because he was a, a gay man in 1935. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the concept of people who are deemed monstrous and, you know, shoved 
to, to the outskirts of society, finding like truth and hope in one another is something that he probably related to mm-hmm. um, in ways that he probably wouldn't have ever admitted. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just a really powerful moment. And then just the, the real tragedy of the end of the fact that the bride of Frankenstein, who is created to be a companion to him and who should relate to him being made the same way as him. Mm-hmm. Like even she is afraid of him mm-hmm. and rejects him. Mm-hmm. She screams and she runs. And that's such a horrible, tragic ending. Yeah. Like that, that line where he's like, we belong dead. Like he feels that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It is a lot. Uh, did I say I gave it four out of five? Yeah. And now you got me tearing up too. That was a beautiful explanation, Brennan. Thank you. You got me upgrading my four to a five. Really? Did I? No. Okay. <laughs> but almost. Uh huh. I just think, I mean, those two scenes are my favorite. Mm-hmm. I think there are parts where it's a little rockier in this movie where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is kind of silly. Mm-hmm. Um, what? No, I will just like, based on your description, it's like, I want to rewatch this movie after I've seen the autobiographical film gods and monsters yes we should totally do that double feature yes um but yeah i just um karloff is still obviously very good um it's it's just it's a good movie mm-hmm. um you know the the expressionistic sets combining with another like frankenstein story that's a little more in depth about i don't you get more of his humanity here because he gets to spend time with someone who actually talks to him and interacts with him and Mm -hmm. isn't just, you know, poking at him with sticks and stuff. Yeah. We don't get the like 20 minute or like hour long build up until when he comes into being. Also true. Frankenstein exists as a character. Yeah. Frankenstein is here from square one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Obviously the bride is not, Mm -hmm. but it's, you know, same diff. How many people have done queer readings of this movie? Oh, everyone. Okay. I was going to say like Lord Byron, you know, um, yeah, what you just said. And the Doctor Doctor Pretorius is often read as a gay character, uh-huh. um, which you know w- would put him in the camp of the treacherous gays, which is not always something that I get excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's a lot of queer readings of this movie, mm-hmm. and a lot of people credit this movie for inventing like camp in American film, mm-hmm. um, which I'd have to do a little more research in order to fully, you know put my wagon behind that one Mm -hmm. but no it's it's a very influential movie in pretty much every way it's possible to be cool uh yeah so i think that that about does it for bride of frankenstein do you have anything else that you know springs to mind for you for this movie yeah no but what i will say is i will make brain keep this copy of this movie and we will rewatch it oh yeah I'm, i'm not selling it it's part of like the frankenstein eight film collection so you know, even if I hate some of them, I'm not getting rid of it. Okay, cool. Uh, but yeah, speaking of, we are going to be, you know, doing more of these. We're going to make our guesses for the next one soon. But first, here's how you can get in contact with the show. You can find us on Twitter at Scrimlin01Pod. Mm, do you want to find us on Facebook? Yeah, are we you. still there? We are, but I haven't posted on Facebook in a very long time. Uh, no, don't, don't even do that. Email us at Scream101Podcast at gmail.com. Our theme song is A Beat for You by Pseudo Echo. And, you know, find us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and review. Subscribe. Uh, give us five stars. Yeah, please do. You love us. Anyway, uh, next week we're going to be gonna be catching up with uh, the exploits of Warwick Davis in Leprechaun 2. Oh, I'm so ready. Which I'm sure will be as much of a masterpiece as Bride of Frankenstein. I am so ready for the shit show that is the Leprechaun movies. Oh, God. 
I'm so excited to bring them to you. They're going to get so trashy. They're going to show Final Destination what's what. I'm ready. I'm here for it. Okay. And um, the ne- okay, in a month from now, we're going to be reviewing the next film in the Frankenstein cycle. It's from 1939, so four years after this one. It's called Son of Frankenstein. What do you think that's going to be about? I really hope they don't... <laughs> Like, Mary Shelley doesn't introduce to us, like, a third chapter in her uh, in her miniseries at this point. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, look, James Whale left the series after this point. Mm-hmm. So I think this is where they're going to begin their swift decline into B-movie territory. Mm-hmm. Um, although I'm pretty sure Boris Karloff returns for the next one. That's not always going to be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. You know, probably the son of Dr. Henry Frankenstein is going to, you know, do some shit with, with lightning, right? Yeah. That's always misleading because whenever you hear Frankenstein, you think of the creature. Yeah. Uh, but, in fact, the Frankensteins are the family. Yeah. So, when you say son of Frankenstein. You're thinking he's, you know, getting it on with Elsa Lanchester. Mm-hmm. And we have a seated Chucky situation going on. Yes, I do. But chances are that's not going to be the case, which is unfortunate. No. But also good. Yeah. Honest, although, honestly, I'm worried that this is going to be the boring one where it's not as good but still serious before it gets to the like crazy ones where he fights the wolfman or whatever. Yeah. Here's hoping. Do you know anything about this movie? I know absolutely nothing about Son of Frankenstein. All right. Let's experience the magic. Yeah, we'll experience together. together. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, but until next week with Leprechaun Take 2, uh, we'll catch you on the flippity flop and good luck on your journey. And stay gold, everybody. Bye. Bye. This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart.